Hello, everybody, and welcome to a small little, I guess we'll call it a primer. Um, we are doing a Halloween episode, as I have mentioned on a couple of things, and for that Halloween episode, we are going to use the Call of Cthulhu mythos, I'm sorry, Call of Cthulhu system, and by association, it's mythos and that kind of thing, to tell a, a spooky, creepy story. Um, for that little one-shot session, uh, Mary Sue is actually going to be running it because she has a bunch more experience than I do with Call of Cthulhu, given as my experience rating is zero. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't take very much. By default, I am now the pro. Exactly. <laughs> so, hi, Mary Sue. I marry Cthulhu Fatagan to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cthulhu Fatagan. Wonderful. Hello, this is great. Yeah. I love Cthulhu. Awesome. Well, that's part three about why we love Cthulhu. All right. I'll, I'll wait. Okay. Part one of our briefly talked about Cthulhu thing is a little bit about the mythos. Um, I know very little other than a giant green winged monster that <laughs> has tentacles on his face and the mere sight of will drive you insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That is Cthulhu himself, and he is, is Cthulhu himself. Uh, he is great. <laughs> I mean, it depends when you meet him, but yeah, he's pretty great. Um, do you want to just give a quick like lore thing? Because Cthulhu is not the only thing that is in H.P. Lovecraft's little horror verse. No, um, you know Lovecraft, a lot more about me. Lovecraft uh, is considered the the father of horror stories. And um, he created, he began the creation of uh, the Elder Gods, and then people that came after him expanded on it. Um, he himself actually didn't even coin the term Cthulhu Mythos. Somebody else later on did. Uh, but there is a, a, a wonderful pantheon of terrible Elder Gods that all do horrible things in their own right. Um, most of the... Uh, the gods, you can't even say their name because, you know, you're, you're just going to mess it up. But it's wonderful. <laughs> what? Haster is really easy to say. Haster is, yes. And that's why everybody goes, Haster? Okay. Uh, uh, there's Shub, also Shub Nigaroth. Shub Nigaroth, yes. Um, uh, uh, Narlatep, which I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, that sounds right because he's more Egyptian. Yeah. Um, I do like Narlatep. That is, that is my second Favorite. If we're taking Cthulhu out of it completely, Narlatep is my second favorite. Who is your first favorite? Shub Negroth. Oh, the mother of all things. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, you know, Lovecraft did, uh, and and some horror movies do it too. They take simple things and make it terrifying. So Shub Negroth has the um, dark young as their handmaidens and. Uh, and then the goat is a very big uh, thing uh, with Shubnagroth. And I myself am terrified of goats. So the scariest thing to me is Shubnagroth because of the whole goat aspect. I don't know why. I was going to ask if like, there's some tragic backstory here involving you. Right there here. is. There is. I was attacked at a petting zoo as a child by goats. And, and now I am I am terrified of goats. <laughs> That's less impactful. You're going to have to, like... So I do this thing sometimes when people have, like, an injury. They've got their arm in a sling or something. I'm like, mm -hmm. what happened? Oh, I, I fell off the ladder. I was like, oh. all right. Next time somebody asks, you have to be like, man, you should see the other guy. I was down at the bar the other night. This dude started starting shit, and I just laid him right the fuck out. No. No. that's you're more interesting. Under four feet tall, you're a tiny little girl-child... You have food that you were so excited, so excited to get with your quarter that you were given, which was big money. And, and you've got this food in your hand. You're going to go feed these little adorable goats that everybody else is having a great time doing, right? But when you walk in there, all of a sudden, there's 10 goats on their hind legs with their creepy little horizontal hourglass eyes and their hooves attacking you to get that little tiny little thing of food in your hand. That's terrifying. <laughs> that was terrifying to me. I suppose that's fair. Okay. <laughs> it's a much better story, though. So my point <laughs> stands. would be like, oh, yeah, I was at a petting zoo, and it was awful. Fine. 
You win this round. But um, I mean, also with with Cthulhu, it's great because you don't have to use those elder gods. But people just automatically jump to, oh, it's all about the elder gods, and it doesn't have to be. What are some of the other things it could be about that is not the elder well, god? Well, it's I mean, it's, it's it's a horror RPG. So I mean, any horror movie trope will work. You could do that. It it um. Cursed items. It could just be going after cursed items. It's you know just solving a mystery or making a, a solution to a problem that presents itself in the story. So really, any werewolf, vampire, zombie movie out there could be mm-hmm. uh, used as inspiration. We'll call it. Well, and not even monsters, though. I mean, because I mean, we ourselves can be pretty horrifying as well. So Cthulhu, for me, I I love running Cthulhu PvP. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Where... we'll get into the <laughs> the heart okay. of the matter here. <laughs> um, because it's you know it's about to me it's about horror and evilness and the things that people can do to each other that are evil and terrible and. It's a great system to to run PvP stories in, and and I do. And my players, it takes a certain kind of player, but my players do enjoy it. And and some of their best um, gaming memories are are PvP Cthulhu games. How very curious. <laughs> um, we played. The sixth edition, because that's the one you said you were the most familiar with. Yes, yes. Um, there is a seventh edition out mm-hmm. that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. So it, the, the RPG has been around for a while. Um, Since 81. Man, that's 37 years. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, you make it sound like it's you know forever, but okay. It's To me, it is literally <laughs> forever, so sure. But I didn't start playing Cthulhu until probably 2010, 2011. So not its entirety at all. Um, We might get into some of the details a little bit later on, but is there anything else with just like the mythos and stuff about the Cthulhu-verse or whatever that you want to talk about? It's – the H.P. Lovecraft stories are are really good. and if you're into that kind of that horror elder god thing, or you think you might like that that kind of spin, um, you can actually find uh, his collected works in 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 a one book short story format. And it's kind of uh, good to take those elements from his short stories, and you can use them in other systems. I know people have have put Cthulhu stuff into even Shadowrun. And so, you know, I, I think if if you enjoy reading, definitely read his short stories. Um, they also have uh, radio dramas that you can find on, I'm sure, online now, um, where they take his stories and actually make like radio drama plays out of them. And they're really fun to listen to as well and kind of give you more of an idea. Uh, so, yeah, I think... I, I would just encourage people to really read up on it and kind of listen to it and and enjoy enjoy that horror aspect of what Lovecraft created when he created these Elder Gods. And I think that's one of the other interesting things about the mythos is it's not um, – it's horror, right? But you can do horror a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. This is a, a cosmic, unknowable, doesn't care about you kind of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Cthulhu and the other elder gods are not even necessarily forces of nature. They are beings that we cannot even begin to understand. Hence, why when we run into them, yeah. <laughs> our our fragile mortal minds begin to unravel. We're rolling that D100 for losing sanity. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but it's also the kind of thing where it's like, you can't be mad at Cthulhu. He's just doing his elder god thing, you know? He's not out to rule the world or dominate it. He's just a force of insanity and proving how little you actually know about things. Well, 
he's not out to dominate the world because he would be the dominant force in the world. He, he's 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 at the he's at the apex. He's he won. Yeah, he already won. Yeah. So speaking about sanity and stuff, that's a thing that not many yeah. games really get into. Yeah. Uh, it is the most complained about mechanic that I hear from people when I try to say, oh my gosh, you should totally play Call of Cthulhu. It's no. The sanity mechanic. It just is a, it's a no win mechanic. You cannot win the game. And I, I just, I just sigh. <laughs> it's just like, well, come on. Winning is uh, winning is a matter of stance, you know. Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. you have an interesting game? Did you guys tell an interesting story together? Did you all find out something about each other? Then you've won. Yeah, but other people, and and I think we we you and I have seen this um, at tables where some people it's. No, they they need to win this game, and it is not about telling a good story. It's about rolling the dice and doing the absolute best you can, and always succeeding. Yeah, and some people aren't really into the the folklore and the theme of the stories. Mm-hmm. There's a a vast majority of the protagonists from H.P. Lovecraft stories that are telling the story that you are reading as a flashback, as they are in an insane asylum and just experiencing some kind of drug-induced moment of clarity. Mm-hmm. Because as we mentioned, these unspeakable horrors drive you insane. They do. But here's the thing about the sanity. You can regain sanity. Yeah, it just takes a while. It just takes a while. But you can regain it. But, you know, most of the time when I run a Cthulhu game, it's not a campaign. You're not leveling up your character. My goal is to kill it. Um, there are also other less direct ways of winning let's say Mm -hmm. a cult is trying to resurrect some elder god thing because that's a pretty standard thing cultists are 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 your bread and butter yeah yeah (laughs) they're man i love being in a cult what do you guys want to do today oh you want to summon unspeakable horrors from beyond (laughs) the stars yeah sure why not i'll get the guys together we'll sacrifices it'll be fine <laughs> I'll start drawing the pentagram. Bring the wife and the kids would be a good experience. <laughs> so, in that kind of situation, winning may not be defeating the giant elder god because let's face it, you can't because mm-hmm. they are unknowing and unspeakable and their mere sight drives you around the bend. Mm-hmm. But you could delay the um you could interrupt the ritual, you could delay some part of the summoning so that the beast does not arrive. Exactly. Sure, you may get killed in the process. You may go insane, but you have saved the day so that down the line, who knows what else might happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, you um, could die a hero, and, and that's winning. I'm going to get into spoilers <laughs> for the next like two to three minutes. If you guys haven't seen the movie Cabin in the Woods. <sighs> Great movie. It is a great movie. Oh my gosh. Um, so go and watch that this Halloween because it's awesome. But ready, spoilers, go. The Cabin in the Woods is a horror movie based on horror movie tropes where it's people intentionally bringing a group of teens to this Cabin in the Woods to murder them all to appease the gods. That if you don't, you're going to kill everything. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes, yes, and there are multiple units around the world that do this, uh, all in an effort to appease the gods. Hopefully one of them will succeed, otherwise the entire world ends. And it is great. Super good. Um, Super good. I hope we didn't spoil that for anybody who didn't uh, (laughs) see it already. Very Cthulhu-esque. Very very, Cthulhu-esque. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, So you mentioned the, the sanity mechanic earlier that people seem to hate. Mm-hmm. There's only one aspect of it I don't like, um, mm-hmm. but that is something that you have to accept as buy-in, and that is loss of character control. I don't like effects in any game, really, that are like, I mind control you. And going temporarily insane is uh, not direct mind control, well, but... No, 
no, no, no. You had control. You put yourself in that position to where you were confronted with that and had to make that role. And you yourself are the one that made that role and failed it. That's all you. Nobody else took that from you. Right. Which is why I'm like, you have to have that buy-in because you are mm-hmm. sitting down to play Call of Cthulhu. You know that your character's sanity and the things that they do may not always be in your control. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, bitch, shut up and accept it because this is the game you set down to play. Yes. But, but I, I, I don't agree that there's a loss of player agency in it. You could I, be the, I'm just, I just disagree. You could have a whole bunch of bad rolls in a night and then <laughs> um, quickly feels like it's taking agency out of your hands. But that's not important. Why yeah. don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about the mechanics for Call of Cthulhu because I really only know how character creation and how to roll a D100. That's it. <laughs> the mechanics of Call of Cthulhu, um, it's skilled check base. Um, and it's percentage die, so you're rolling a D100. You have to roll under your number. So when um, at character generation, you get so many skill points earned based on your education and your intelligence or your knowledge, one of those two. And you get points, and you can put those points, and it's point for point um, on the skills. Uh, so if your investigator, they're called investigators. If your investigator is law enforcement, where well, you're going to choose skills that are occupational skills first, which will fit that occupation of law enforcement. And then you also get a separate set uh, pool of skill points for interest. So if you're law enforcement who has an interest in scuba diving, well, then you have skills for that as well. There's You can even write in skills to make things up if they're not on the sheet. So you can make anybody you want, basically, and you put the skills in. Um, it's not fun when people dump, you know, 70 skill points into dodge and spot hidden and leave their character bare because, you know, now you get to run away because you saw everything. Uh, so you it really which, try to make more of a, a well-rounded character. Which I want to point out, seeing everything in a game where stuff drives you crazy may not be good. <laughs> right? You should have it low. <laughs> I need you to roll spot hidden to see the horrible <laughs> monster creeping up behind you. Nope. Nope. <laughs> don't see it. If I don't no, see it, I can't go crazy. There you go. <laughs> um, which is which is kind of fun, admittedly, because perception is like one of the highest rated skills in just about every RPG you play. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, okay, nope. yeah, <laughs> I need to find the clues, but I need to not see things. Yes. Um, yes. There's a bit of a trope out there that's never read a book in Call of Cthulhu. Yes. Cuz never read a book in Call of Cthulhu. Um yes, because a lot of books if you're if you're reading the tomes that are, you know, part of the mythos, um you're rolling sanity on those if just looking at them, you can roll sanity loss if you're able to deduce that hey, that cover is made out of skin. Or if you open it up and start reading the words, you'll roll for sanity loss because what you're reading is terrible, arcane magic that just will drive you insane, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, skills like Latin, mm-hmm. very useful. Yes. Library use. Yes. Super useful. Library because use is if- great. If you're going to disrupt the ancient ritual, you have to at least understand a little bit of how the ritual works, because otherwise, maybe you maybe you screw it up and you finish the ritual in some fashion. And, you know, instead of living your life in supplication to great Lord Cthulhu, he just destroys everything because you mispronounce something. <laughs> yes. Um, and it, it's great when you're uh, when you're a GM and you have people who are experienced Cthulhu players. They know the mythos. They know that rule. Don't ever read a book. And then you put them in a situation where they're in a library, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what? Like, yep, it's full of books. Have fun." And they're like, "No, we can't touch the books. You know that. Nope, you got to now." And it's very fun to watch people who who are paranoid like that. Try to solve that problem <laughs> with library use. How do you use the book without reading it? 
Exactly. And rolled really well. <laughs> I rolled really well. It's it's overcoming problems, and and they do. One of the things that we actually haven't mentioned yet is there's actually a couple of different timelines that you can oh, yeah play Cthulhu in. Um, mm-hmm. We chose to play modern because that's your preferred mm-hmm. time period. There's also yes. 1920s is really popular. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a couple of Cthulhu-based other games out there, like Trail of Cthulhu and Cthulhu Tech, that also vary up the, the time periods. Am I missing uh-huh. any off the top of my There's uh, Delta Force Green, which is like the special ops um, Rainbow Six people going in and get solving the Cthulhu problems. There's, um, oh, there's, I think it's called Octoon, Octong Cthulhu. Octong Cthulhu. Yes, Cthulhu. World War II Cthulhu. Yes, World War II Cthulhu. Um, there's a lot of different things that you can do with it. It's one of those systems that's very um, fluid. You can put it in basically any time period you wanted to, and it's going to work. Because creepy, creepy stuff has happened. All over the place. All the time. So <laughs> everywhere. It would it'll it'll work. Um I actually had a, a friend that ran a game where the people actually time traveled. They had to go through time to different time periods, different cultures within that time period to find the artifact and move on to the next one because they had to get them all. Pokemon. Pokemon Cthulhu. This curious oh, Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> um so to touch a little bit on character creation, it is dice based. So you're gonna like mm-hmm. roll for your attributes. Based upon your attributes, you will derive other attributes, mm-hmm. and that's where you get your skill points and stuff. Mm-hmm. For not knowing anything, it mm-hmm. actually didn't take all that long, and it's not all that complex, which is good because you could go crazy. <laughs> it takes less than thirty minutes. To, to roll up a character and have it going. I, I've had people spend longer figuring out what they wanted to make before mm-hmm. actually even beginning to roll the dice. And I will point out that not every GM is a bloodthirsty psychopath like Mary Sue is trying to no. kill all of the, her characters and no, no. make them all crazy and that kind of stuff. No, but when my players sit down with me, they see how much joy it brings me. And so they want to. They just want to be a part of it. And so they buy in, and they and they love it. They love the whole. All right, we're gonna go in here. We're gonna experience this. We're gonna have fun, and we're we may live, we may die, and it's we're just gonna tell a good story. We're probably gonna die. We're probably gonna die. But I at least try to make it fun. Like if you're gonna die, it's still it's gonna be fun, and you might have an epic death, and that's great. Which I've had players have epic deaths. It's possible. I imagine you've also had players had terrible deaths. <laughs> uh, maybe some. Have I had any? Yes, I've had a player have a pretty lame death. Yeah, I've had one. Yeah. Um. But it's also a game that you have to be careful with because you can, you can cross the line. Yeah. Given I subject feel... matter, so be very careful with it. Open communication. Talk to your mm-hmm. players. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like that goes for any. Uh, call it? That obviously goes for any horror game because people have um, certain things like irrational fears of goats. Yes, yes. Um, now, I when I'm playing a game, I know it's it's a safe atmosphere, so I'm I, I'll embrace it. There's only one thing I won't uh, dolls. I also don't like dolls, so I will not have dolls in my games. I don't want to be in a, a game where there are dolls. And that's just, yeah, that's my line on my horror games. Okay. I'll have to make <laughs> little notes of that so no? that the next run is going to be an extraction on a mage that does a little doll homunculi. And they're going to be all over the place, and they're going to watch you, and they're going to, they're going to have little name tags, and it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> oh, no. All right, see? Now I got the heebie-jeebies. Thanks. Okay. All right. I apparently broke her, so you guys have a good night. <laughs> I'm starting to think that maybe, like, the computer disconnected or something. Like, <laughs> um, 
Anything else you want to talk about as far as the mechanics for Cthulhu go? Um, Maybe break down a little bit about how you can regain sanity so people don't bitch about that as much. <laughs> um, if you, um, you can have psychoanalysis if you wanted to, and that will regain sanity. Um, what else? Let's see. Drugs. Uh, the keeper can award sanity back if you do something great. If you increase your power, you can uh, regain – it'll uh, up your sanity. If you increase uh, skill, you can up your sanity. If you defeat the unnatural entities, you can up your sanity. And uh, psychiatric medications and psychotherapy will up your sanity. So you don't just always lose it. You can win it back through shock treatment. There's also a thing I remember reading in the book hmm. where it's like um, – you can only lose, like, the different instances that cause sanity loss have usually a die type associated with them. Yes. And if you lose sanity to a thing, um, you kind of cap out on the amount of sanity you can lose by the maximum on that thing's die. Mm-hmm. So, like, if seeing a dead body is a D6, well, walking into a room full of corpses isn't going to cause you a D6 damage per corpse, you know? Yeah, no, it's just a, it's just the event, yeah. You know, you're going to... Uh, that's probably actually a bad example, because I feel like seeing a room full of corpses is going to cost you more than a D6. <laughs> but uh, let's say you walk into one room and you see a corpse, and you roll your D6 and you take two. Then you go into your the next room and you come into another corpse and you roll a D6 and you take a five, but since it's been only been in um, a short instance of each other, you max out at the highest number on the die, so instead of losing seven, you would only lose six, and if you went into the next room and bumped into a corpse, it wouldn't charge you. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like you're gonna... Um, it's not like you're gonna walk into a place and just gonna be like, alright, roll 15d6 because you saw a couple of corpses while you went through on your adventure. Yeah, there is a there's a, a little example of sanity point costs in in the sixth edition book. Um, so surprised to find a corpse, uh, it's a D3 roll if you fail your sanity check. Um, but if you find a mangled human corpse, you're going to automatically if you succeed, you're going to lose one sanity. If you fail your sanity check, it's one D4 plus one. And then it gets progressively worse as you go down. Um, if you see a corpse rise from the grave, it's you're going to lose one. If you succeed, your sanity checked. If you fail it, it's one d10, and you lose what's there. But you, you know, as you lose your sanity, if you lose five or more in one shot, well, you might have a temporary insanity check, and then that leads to uh, making another roll to see if it's going to be a repressed memory or something. And if you lose a significant amount then it's long-term temporary insanity and you may get amnesia or develop uh, hallucinations or a phobia, things like that. Um, so I, if you're going to play in a campaign type story going on and on and on, yeah, your players, your investigators are going to have to keep track of their sanity and how that affects them. And, and then they'll have to work to overcome those things. And yeah, that's, that's how some people will play it. I, I'm a one-shot Cthulhu GM. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, so I feel like that wraps up most of the mechanics. We covered uh, a little bit of the character creation, that kind of stuff. Covered a little bit about the, you know, the game itself. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the next question is, what are some of your favorite aspects about Cthulhu as a game or as a setting? Um, so Cthulhu is, to me, it's it's like those other games that are really more narrative-driven as opposed to crunch. And I like that you can tell a, a really good story. You can really creep your people out, or you can really put a, a mystery in front of them. Uh, and for me personally, I love moral quandaries. I like to put my players in a situation to where they have to make hard choices. I'm I'm not like the 
the kind of GM that's just going to, okay, here's some guns, go shoot the monster. That's not the style of game. I That's not the kind of story I want to tell. And so I make sure I have players that want to tell the same kind of story, which I tend to get. And uh, I, I like that aspect of it. It's not just monster of the week kind of things. You touched on a few of uh, my favorite things in there, too. Um, as a first off, you mentioned earlier that they call the player characters investigators. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, what do investigators do? They investigate. As opposed yes. to D&D, where they call them heroes. Or even Shadowrun, where they call them Shadowrunners. Because that has baggage associated with it of what these characters are... Uh, what these characters are expected to do. Mm-hmm. We talked about how like library use is super important because you're an investigator. You have to do research, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I like that you're not expected to be stalwart heroes of the land. Mm-mm. I like that you are just people. People. Just regular people. Yep. You're not exceptional in really any way except for the fact that you saw something and only went slightly crazy from it. Yes, so it's it's regular people put in an, in extraordinary situations. How do you deal with this? Yep. I like that the answer isn't I fight it. Yes. Sometimes the answer is I hide or I run away. Um where you can fight say a cult member or a human person, a mortal thing, even a minor um, mythos doohickey, like you mentioned the—I think you mentioned the deep ones or the handmaidens of Shuffle the Grof. dark young, yeah, yeah, dark those. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't give a fuck about your bullets. No, <laughs> not at all. So you could be this badass guy that's got all of these points and and guns and punching and fighting people. And then one of these things comes up and it's just like, sure would be unfortunate if somebody drove you insane. And then that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has a huge amount of lore because not only does it have the, the mythos lore, mm-hmm. but you can roll your clock back. Look at 1920s, America, Canada, Europe, Mexico, wherever you want. And you have all of that real local history you can draw from. Yes. Regular superstitions, folklores, um, you know, like uh, I think we had brought up uh, the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you can have to, or, you know, you have to go and investigate that and figure out what it is. And do you find it or is it something else? And your investigators go investigate. There is a website out there that I don't know if many people are aware of. I'm sure a lot of them are that listen to this because we're nerds. <laughs> but there's the SCP Foundation. Yes. Uh, I will hopefully remember to put a link in the description mm-hmm. because if not, it will eat a bunch of your time as it is a mm-hmm. giant collection of weird, spooky shit. Great, great sources to uh, build a Call of Cthulhu game off of um, or Really, it's a great resource to build any kind of game off of. <laughs> it's a source of inspiration. Yes, it is. Some terrible, terrible things in there. Um. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to a GM that actually used some of those things, and it was like, oh, my gosh. I got Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a jerk. Just going to breathe deeply. <laughs> he's not a jerk. jerk. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to this, but if you are who I, if you are, you know who you are, and I'm waving to you now. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of games out there that I enjoy, and they all have a couple of things in common. One of which is the rich lore, like Shadowrun has a lot of lore. I really like Legend of the Five Rings; that has a huge amount of lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cthulhu, um, I like the idea of it, but. I would need to play in some more one shots or something to see if it's something that I'm into because it's, it's weird, right? Cause you go into it as a player, you're like probably going to die, but it'll be for the greater good. Yeah. Um, but they also have the, the thing where it's like fighting is probably not your first answer. Mm-hmm. 
So that's yes. You might have to to think about another way because if you were to go in there and fight, you would surely die. So how do you solve this problem without combat? Very carefully. Yes. <laughs> so, um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, in terms of oh, Cthulhu or whatever you think the the people listening to this might be interested to know. Hmm. I don't know. What else can we talk about? Well, I mean, you've played a game now, so now you're no longer, you know, zero knowledge. <laughs> I am what no longer you, uh, What do you like about virgin. it? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you like about it? What do you hate about it? Um, I don't think any of my aspects really changed. Like, um... Actually, there's there's one that comes to mind, but I'll get to that at the end. I like the idea that you are supposed to make a person. You're supposed to be a believable person that exists in whatever setting you chose to play it in. Um, I like that kind of stuff. I like the fact that it's not a combat-focused game because it doesn't make any sense within the setting. Um, I like those kinds of things. I don't think I'm sold on a percentile die. Hmm. Um... I'm really weird. What's wrong with percentile die? I don't know. I don't have a really good answer for that. Hmm. And I feel like it might come down to, um, like we talked about the insanity thing and how easy it is for you to lose a character to either insanity or death because you don't have Mm -hmm. a whole lot of HPs. Mm -mm. Um, You don't have a lot of HP in this game. So I think it comes down to progression. Because the game is a percentile-based system, and the way the progression ba- the progression works, I don't think I like that part of it. Um, to break it down a little bit, when you successfully roll a check, or I'm sorry, when you successfully make a skill roll or use one of your skills or whatever it is you're doing, however you like that verbiage, if you're doing something, I guess, would you use the term impressive or meaningful or you only run one shot, so it doesn't matter because uh, you're just killing no. <laughs> I mean, if you if you do something that's, you know, remarkable or epic or good role-playing, is that what you're trying to say? Uh, um, so the way they describe it in the book is, like, the the character that they make and they use is just, like, a um, – as an example, he gets in a uh, – he gets in a fight with a guy. Mm-hmm. He hits him with a – a club of some kind or uses the, whatever the club skill is. And because it was like a life and death struggle, the GM tells him to mark a, a skill check, a skill point next to that skill. Uh-huh. Then at the end of the adventure, you make mm-hmm. it, you go through your list of skills. You make a, a roll then and see if you succeed or fail. And I think it's if you fail that roll. No, I'm sorry. I'm messing that up. I apologize. Uh, you go down like your list of checked skills. Mm-hmm. And then it gets the opportunity to improve by like a D10 or something like that because you've you've learned from what you've done. Yes, yes, that is that is the character advancement basically. Yes, and I like that idea. One of the one of my favorite games to run in a one shot situation like Cthulhu is Dungeon World. Mm-hmm. And in Dungeon World, it's powered by the Apocalypse game. Most of your conflict resolution. Actions are 2d6, and on a 1 to a 6, you have failed at whatever it is you were trying to do, but when you fail, you mark experience. This is kind of like that, but it's when you learn a new way of doing something, mm-hmm. you you mark this skill, and then it can improve. So with the fast turnaround of player sanity slash death, and the way that the skill advancement, you know, you're you're going out of 100 here for your skill, right? And you have to do something kind of impressive or meaningful to get that check to be able to improve it at all. So mm-hmm. when you have, let's say you have a 60 and a something, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's fairly easy for you to notice something. So you don't get those checks as often. Okay. And then if you're not getting those checks as often, your skill's not improving. Mm-hmm. And given how long it takes for your skills to improve, going from like a 60 to a 64 doesn't feel like improvement to me. Does that make sense? It does. It's minimal. It's it's yeah. more negligible. It just doesn't feel like you have mm-hmm. uh, made an actual impact on your character in that situation. Okay. Which is just kind of like meh, you know. 
which could be why I feel, and I, I mean, I was taught how to play Cthulhu by other people and, and they played it as one shots. And so probably through that teaching in my brain, it's, it said as, don't worry about character advancement, just play it as a one shot. Yeah. You're going to die. Gonna don't die. worry about it. You're going to die. It's okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and there's some of the variants of Cthulhu might be more appropriate than this. Um, Mm-hmm. I want to point at Savage Worlds for a second because I'm sure there's a Cthulhu verse for Savage Worlds because there's like yeah, 40 setting books for Savage Worlds. Yes. When you attempt conflict resolution in Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds, fucking Savage Worlds, Savage Worlds, <laughs> in Savage Worlds, um, you as a PC are a wild card, so you get a D6 to every roll you make for like a, a skill or an attribute. Mm-hmm. And then you get whatever your rank in that skill or attribute is, and your skills are, and they are measured by die type. So if you're not good at a thing, you get like a D4. If you're really good at a thing, you get a D10. And everything just about is based on a target number of four. So with my D4, I have a 25% chance of success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, if I'm rolling a D4 and a D6, I have a 25% chance of success and a... Uh, and a 50% chance of success because I get four, five, and six, and four. When I improve, I go from a D4 to a D6, and now I'm rolling two D6s. I get a much better chance of success. I improve again, I go from a D6 to a D8, and I'm rolling a D8 and a D6. It feels meaningful and impactful, where this just feels like, well, I'm not dead yet. So I guess that's, I don't know, I guess it's how you. It, the mentality of it. Um, if if you're the, I'm I'm going to say by listening to that, I'm going to say you're the type of player that wants to better your character. Uh, you want to strive like- to make them better, that they learned, that they achieved, and that they they advance. I want to feel like an an advancement that I get is meaningful. Okay. Going. And I guess. For me, it's I don't need that advancement. Um, I don't necessarily need that advancement either because it's it's about the story first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, um, sitting down to play a one shot is fine because I know that there's no actual intention for advancement. But for example, in Dungeon World, you only need nine XPs to level up from level one to level two, and if you have a bad night of rolls, that can easily happen let alone any of the other ways that you could potentially gain XP. Um, but like in Dungeon World, you get a whole attribute bonus point and you get to pick an additional move to do to let your character do more cool things. Where mm-hmm. going from a 60 to a 64 doesn't feel... Let's be honest, there's only a 4% chance of that even being relevant because it only matters when you roll that skill and... You can now roll up to a sixty-four before you fail. Mm-hmm. It just—I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it's fair enough. Um, I don't know. Like, it, to me, the the story is the most important thing, not the mechanic. It's it's definitely story over mechanics. Um, and that yeah. may be why I I do like and I do enjoy it because it really is story over mechanics. Um. I'm usually story over mechanics as well, but mechanics allow you to make more informed choices for the Mm -hmm. story. You know, in Dungeon World, I get a new uh, special move for my playbook. So this is a new option that I can make. In Savage Worlds, I am now better at whatever it is I'm trying to do. Or even if you just, you know, you get that advance and you just pick up a new skill, you suddenly... If you don't have a rank in this skill, your rolls are at negative two. So you're a D4 minus two and a D6 minus two. It makes it much harder for you to actually succeed. Where suddenly, if you put one rank into that, your your league's better. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe doesn't fit with the horrible, oppressive, everything's going to go horribly wrong world that is Cthulhu. But, you know, that's... Mm. Oh, it makes sense. So. But, uh... I feel like I've rambled on something I don't know about. No, you haven't. It. I enjoy hearing your take on it. No. 
<laughs> Can we be more awkward and gross like we were in the episode this week? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, for the record, there's nothing going on here. She lives on the complete opposite side of the country <laughs> than I do. And oh my god, no! Babs is like a baby brother. That's why it's so awkward! You're the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you got anything else Cthulhu-related you want to bring up? Because I think I'm just about tapped out. I have um, one more question for you, but... I I had a lot of fun doing the Halloween special. And I hope everybody else did. I hope everybody enjoys what we did. Oh, we did something, all right. We did. <laughs> we did something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last question I have for you, and you have to answer it because I said Uh-oh. so, is which was your favorite character? Oh my gosh! <gasps> I don't. I don't think I could choose. It's too bad. I told you you had to answer it. <laughs> I mean, I definitely have a top three. Well, that doesn't really help considering there was only five people involved. <laughs> and I feel like if you name the top three, then the two people who aren't named are going to feel bad, which means... Exactly. Which is what... One. So you insist I name somebody, though? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go with our number one diva. I'm going to say Boz. Uh, Boz's uh, character, Penny, was my favorite. And and not because she she told me later. <laughs> Boz told me later that she kind of she kind of drew inspiration from me. So <laughs> from you or from Mary Sue? She said me. I don't know if it was me or Mary Sue. But I mean, um, I feel like the veil is pretty thin there. So <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh, no, she she wanted to make a, a driven character. She goes, so I, I took a little bit of you. I was like, am I driven? Like, how am I possibly conveying that to people? You should check your character sheet and see what it says. <laughs> so, um, uh, no, but I thought I thought Penny was a good um, a, a good prod. Okay. That moved the story along, while the other two that were in my top three were really good at. At the comic relief, I enjoyed that, and then the final two were were my anchors. Aww. They were my street men. Look at you, just spreading compliments all over the place. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> this is why you use that imagey so often. Yeah, something like that. So, <laughs> um, I guess we're going to get ready to say goodbye. I'm going to put the little intro part so that you can see, hear everybody introduce their characters from the actual, um, from the actual recording that we did. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the first part up on the Patreon as just the, uh, just like on the Patreon page where you guys can swing by and you can download and listen to the intro part and see what's going on. Um, then the second part, if you guys donate at all to the Patreon, it'll be there for you guys to peruse, along with, let's say, 15 hours of prologue content, where everything leading up to where the the first episode starts, with them pulling up outside Paradynamics. Um, Bravo, in addition, I'm sorry? Bravo, you remembered the name. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, in addition, when we had the audition game before we picked Chuck, that whole session is up there. That's another like four or five hours of stuff. Um, our session zero is up there. Our, uh, I think the aftermath of the audition game is up there, where I talked to all of the people just about the game, not about the show itself. And... Um, at the $3 level, you will get access to all of the raw versions of the episode about a week in advance. So you can go and listen to all of episode 39 <laughs> and all of the horrific cringe that <laughs> happened in that episode with all of the... <sighs> so many sighs. So many sighs, so many giggles, so much awkwardness. 
And the one comment that caught me off guard, did you leave that in or did that get edited out? Uh, which one was that? I don't remember. I think it was the, the finger and the coffee. Oh. Is that uh, what? Is that I, think, I think I left that in. <laughs> I know you left it in, but I don't know because I, I actually got like – um Grossed out? No, I got like tongue-tied. Like I was swooning and I didn't know like, oh my gosh, like that would have worked on me. This line would have worked on me. <laughs> I was amazed. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, so with all of that being put out there, um, I guess the only other thing is you can come and in the description is a link to our Discord server if you want to come hang out on our Discord server because there are other people there that enjoy the show, chit-chat, and enjoy all of the awkwardness that happens from time to time. Uh it is a very active server. I'm actually surprised, and yeah. I love all of them dearly. I, I do, too. And I, I was just thinking today, like, man, they really just talk about anything and everything here. These people are – it's very, very social. It's very fun. And, and they're very active in, in talking not just about the show, but in about other game systems and things going on in their lives. And it's it's like a big family. Uh, <laughs> gross. Don't don't try to bring in feelings, all right? <laughs> Dig deep. They're in there. You know, I I think <laughs> I gave them away one year. For <laughs> it's just not going to come back. Um. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um. Thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, thank you, Mary Sue, for running and. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw her under the bus, but if you guys enjoyed Mary Sue running a game, make sure to let her know. Because this way if everybody enjoys it, you know, I can I can get some time away and make her run games for a little while. Wow. Yep. Really? How's Is that it feel? what you just did? How you feel under that bus? No <laughs> I can't. It hurts. It the the treads up my back. Thanks. Wow. Not a problem. You were worried about you know, running a game for an audience, and now you've done it. So I've done it. I was so nervous and terrified, and and I was, the whole time I'm like, oh my god, this is terrible. These people are going to hate this. We're going to lose so many Patreon dollars. <laughs> it's all your fault. I know. Because <laughs> what was the pep talk you gave me before the game? Um, I remember saying this is all your fault, and if you botch it, you know, uh, over you didn't say botch. Uh. Well, clearly you remember better than I do. So what were the you words? You said, don't fuck this up. Oh, yeah, that sounds that like me. That was your pep talk. <laughs> so let's hope I I didn't. Please, listeners, be forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Uh, guys, stay tuned for the, the intro part of the Cthulhu thing. And... Uh, the first part of it will be up on the front page of the Patreon for whoever wants to download it and listen to it. And I guess say goodbye, Mary Sue. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you probably in less than a week for the next episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Get rid of it. Hey, guys. This is a couple of days later. I'm putting this part in here real quick. Um, I'm just going to put the edited version – or. I'm just going to put the edited parts of part one and two, whatever I ended up cutting it into, up on the front page of the Patreon as a public post for anybody who wants to download it. And, you know, while you're there, um, the raw files I will put for any uh, any pledge on the Patreon. So usually the raw files are just for the people who come in at the $3 level. But since this is a Halloween special, I'll just put the raw files up there for anybody who donates at all. So thanks, guys. Okay, so we're going to open. It is late March, Massachusetts, and we're going to come in over the interstate, and we're going to focus in on a university 12-passenger bus. And as we get closer to the bus and we get inside of it, we see five individuals, and you guys can tell me about yourselves on this bus. Driving the bus is early 20s Vietnamese guy who ill-fitting letterman jacket and he has some glasses and brown hair 
He has some pock marks on his cheeks from acne that didn't go properly. And it's uh, about it for him. Seated about in the middle of the bus is a young woman. She's got headphones on. She's sort of very absorbed in her laptop, which is sitting in her lap. She has dirty blonde hair, probably like chin length, but it's currently all pinned up with bobby pins. She looks kind of intense. She's wearing a cardigan and a pair of relatively tight-fitting jeans. And she has a textbook open that has uh, the word psychopharmacology on it. And she appears to be typing an essay. What is psychopharmacology? It's a study of how drugs interact with the brain. Cool. In the back of the bus, looking eagerly out the window, is a disaster of a man. Bubba sits about six foot four, 420-ish pounds. He is shaped like a pear. Around his neck are two different cameras. One is an old-school, more bulky, physical film media kind of camera. The other one is a nicer, more modern digital camera. Both have little flash jobbies on top. I'm sorry, I'm not a photographer. And you can see around his left wrist is a disposable camera with a lanyard that is dangling from his big meaty grip. His hair is long, also about chin to shoulder length with a balding spot in the top middle area. He looks greasy and slightly unkept. His shirt has the picture of a milk carton with a Have You Seen Me caption and a picture of Bigfoot upon it. Cecil is reading a copy of the New York Times in his seat. He is about 5'7", late 40s, thinning gray hair. He's wearing a tweed suit, a bit frayed and scuffed, with a leather satchel next to him. It's also beat up and rough and scuffed about. He sits there quietly reading his paper and smoking a, uh, a pipe. You can't smoke a pipe on a university bus. I can, damn you. So, sitting off to the side, Danny. Hair looks like it's in a perpetual state of needs to be clipped, just shaggy right over the ears, not really brushed or combed or anything yet, not gelled up or anything like what would be normal of all the kids. He's on the shorter side. He's about five foot three. He's wearing a green flannel and some torn up jeans. In his hands, he has a notebook, and he seems to be perpetually sketching something in this graph notebook as he looks out the window, taps his pencil to his lips and thought, then goes right back into the notebook. He's staying mostly to himself, ignoring what's going on around him, yet chuckling. Is he actually smoking? I'm currently smoking. Yes. Oh, my God. On the bus. Penny is glaring. She doesn't want to confront him because he's a professor. You can see her glaring at Cecil across the bus. And uh, she struggles with the bus window. I mean, it gets increasingly more frustrated. She tries to, like, yank down this, like, old rickety window. And finally jams it down and, like... Well, I'm reading my paper. Can't be bothered. So Bubba's going to kind of slide himself over towards you, Cecil. Get your attention a little bit. He will reach one of his hands, the hand that has the disposable camera hanging off of it. And it'll kind of, like, bump against your leg as he goes to shake. Say, like, hey, uh, name's James. Friends call me Bubba. Hello. May I be of help to you, sir? Do you shake his hand or do you just leave it dangle? No, I'm going to look at, I'm looking at it pointedly. And can I help you? He'll turn the offered handshake into a pointing at your helmet. It's like, I, I noticed your helmet there. You, uh, you look like you've been on safari, seen some exotic locations. Smile at this and... Mark my place in the paper, put it down. Yes, I've traveled quite a bit. These helmets don't get their due. People say they're out of style or something. It's quite functional. Keep sun out of the eyes, wind off the face. Very good. How about you? Do you get out? Oh, I've been all over the country. Have you, uh, have you ever seen anything strange while you were out? I've seen all kinds of strange things. I guess that's the point of travel, isn't it? That's, that's good. That's that's why I'm coming up here. That's what I'm looking for, more strange things, some unexplained things. And he'll kind of like look down at his T-shirt and look up to you, maybe even some undiscovered things. Yeah, well, we all want to discover new things, you know. It's good to have ambition in life. Have you ever heard any legends of, oh, I don't know, seven to eight foot tall humanoids covered in hair or fur that are remarkably hard to find? I don't know. Possibly a Turk in the NBA. 
and he's going to get. That's a joke, son. I don't know what you mean, actually. But I mean, uh, what are you driving at here? I'm, you know, I'm on a bus here trying to read my paper. And... They have all kinds of different legends across the Americas about, well, the common person might call them Bigfoot or Sasquatches, Wendigos, tree boogers. Depends upon where you are and what your location is. So I was curious if you were aware of any from more exotic locations. <sighs> yes, there's many legends about it. It's in theory possible. I mean, some respected people have said they've seen evidence of it. But I mean, you know, I would imagine it would be very hard to find. Maybe you should focus on something a bit more your speed, like a chupacabra or a good steak joint east of the Mississippi. You know, it's funny you should bring up chupacabras because that's my number two specialty. I sadly haven't gotten the opportunity to learn Spanish yet so that I could make a trip to their native lands. Well, you know, that's a, that's a very good ambition. Learn a new language, travel about Spanish. That's a good one. Had a second best empire in history, you know. While this is all kind of going on, Penny has, does not look like her opening the window has actually satisfied her irritation with the fact that this... Uh, professor is smoking on the bus the bus is just getting progressively more and more smoky she slams her her laptop shut sticks it on the seat beside her stands up she's making dagger eyes at the professor as she's walking but she keeps going past and heads to the front of the bus to talk to luke the bus driver she likes like stands beside him kind of holding onto the pole she kind of leans down a little and she says uh excuse me but bus driver i uh can you do something about guy smoking i and i'm not going to med school so i can get lung cancer you know i'm just here driving the bus um yeah you're kind of in charge of the bus you should do something about this it's against school policy to have anyone smoking on the premises i'm assuming that applies to the bus i'd hate to have to make some kind of a, a complaint what was your name again uh luke luke i'm assuming you have a last name luke uh luke the end luke what Thien. Thien. It, it's Vietnamese. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so you're going to, can you just like maybe tell this guy, maybe cut it out? And, you know, we have a long bus ride ahead of us. I don't want to spend it all in a cloud of smoke. If you have a problem with it, tell him. She like purses her lips and like, now she's glaring at the bus driver. She was pretty sure this was her hard move that was going to like solve this problem for her. And uh, you can see her mouthing the name Luke Thien. And she says, Okay. And she turns around and storms back to her seat. Anyway, shall we continue our conversation? Before we continue our conversation, Luke, since Penny decided to distract the bus driver as he was driving on the interstate, can you please make a driving roll? That is a fail for sure. So Penny has distracted you with that conversation, and you failed to notice that up ahead, traffic has stopped. And um, you have to do some maneuvering Luckily, you avoid the cars, but in order to do so, you've basically had to pull over onto the shoulder, and it's forced you onto an exit ramp. A bit of a detour here. Um, Just, uh, yep. He starts, like, jabbing at his phone that he has on the dashboard because he doesn't actually know the way. Okay, so you're just going to use GPS, and you'll just find your way back onto the interstate? That's what he's hoping to do. That is a solid plan. Just for the record... Penny is absolutely taking all of this sudden swerving as passive aggressiveness on the part of the bus driver because she's like walking back to her seat when he does it and she gets like thrown to one side and like has to catch herself on the chair and she like glares up at him again. God, she's the worst. Uh, Dropping his notebook, Danny looks up. Can we all agree to leave the bus driver alone so he can drive? I mean, come on. Yes, don't distract the man from his duties. Sit down. Well, maybe if this guy would put his, his, his damn pipe away and respect the rest of us on the bus i wouldn't have to talk to the bus driver would i and like she wasn't like she wasn't planning on confronting the professor about it but like now that she's been called out she's definitely doing it she's looking at him she says i'm sorry professor i respect you but you should respect the rest of us here on the bus not everyone wants to sit for several hours in a cloud of smoke oh good heavens get this woman a smoke uh, a soapbox so she can stand up a bit in my day, we passed around packages of snouts at every single meeting. Now a bit of smoke, you act like your lungs are Birmingham mine. Yeah, but your day was back in the 1920s, Professor. Ha uh, ha, I've been smoking my entire life, and I'm still here, fit as ever. <coughs> yeah, no. 
So, Luke, you are following the GPS, and it's starting to take you on some pretty rural county roads. It starts to rain, and you end up on this uh, lonely road surrounded by heavy forests on both sides of the road. I start to get really excited because, as we all know, big feet, or Sasquatches as they're called, like the woods. So I break off my conversation and try to get the professor to look out the other window and let me know if he sees anything for this is prime squatch and territory. You're like setting up with your camera, just waiting for a shot? Yeah. Are you in the impression we're going to find some type of mysterious creature on a bus route? You never know where you're going to find them, and the unprepared never find them. That's a proper attitude. You keep a lookout, I'll monitor this paper for anything supernatural. Penny finds her seat again, and she's too frustrated to get back to her essay, so she just, like, puts her earplugs back in and goes back to listening to music. Staring out the window. So, Luke, as you're driving the bus, you, you see a lot of lights popping up on that uh, dashboard. A lot of engine lights. The temperature gauge is, is shooting up. And the bus is starting to make some weird sounds. Can I roll mechanical repair to see if I can understand those? Sure. I do not understand them. It just looks like, oh, this is bad. Everything's going bad on this bus. You probably broke it with your bad driving earlier. No, no, it wouldn't be that. It would be uh, it, ill-repaired, that's all. It, uh, Luke, uh, all right, uh, there's some stuff we should check here. I'm going to have to pull over for a moment and make sure everything's fine. What do you mean some stuff you got to check out? Uh, well, just engine problems. Just just don't worry. And it's like bump, bump, bump as he's just on the side of the, the road. Penny pulls one of her earbuds out. And like looks around, she's like, "Wait, why are we stopping? Engine problems. I'll just just because you a broke set. the bus. Who broke the bus? You did. You did. I'm not even driving. How can I break the bus? 